you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. The Around the NFL Podcast. Could fit in Kyler Murray's helmet. (laughs) Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast presented by the United States Marine Corps. My name is Dan Hansis. I come to you from a virtual room filled with some heroes. Mark Sessler, Greg Rosenthal. What is up, please? You know that uh, that phrase that we trot out pretty much weekly at this point, Bill Parcells, the season doesn't start hey. until Thanksgiving. That that means it. This is it. This is our last week of the preseason. Get ready. Hey. I, I take offense to that because I feel like we have been uh, grinding essentially since like Corona draped the landscape. Hey, remember, the pro football season does not start <laughs> till after you eat your turkey. Back after this. Something like that, which is, you know what? It's true on some level because it is when the cream rises to the top uh, here in our league and you really get a better idea of of how the playoffs going to look, who are the real monsters. But then again, when you look at where we are entering week 11, we have a pretty good idea of uh, who the major players are going to be. It just it comes down to who is a team that is going to go nuts through the end of the regular season that maybe isn't there yet. Uh, Mark, I have a feeling I know which team you believe it to be, and we're going to talk about the Miami Dolphins a little mm. bit later. Uh, but maybe it's a team we haven't <laughs> thought of yet or hasn't presented itself. So that's see, that's the fun thing. And we're going to get into all the games uh, coming up here uh, in Week 11 on Sunday and on Monday. Of course, you could also check out our Thursday night football recap. Great game, Cardinals-Seahawks, uh, that the Quiet Storm and I are on the mic, and maybe a mystery guest, so stay tuned on mm. that. But let's now put our focus where it needs to be, and let's start, before we get to our draft, let's start with the primetime games, and listen, this... This is a special game. I am so excited uh, for Chiefs at Raiders. I I mean, after what we saw in week five, when the Raiders went to Arrowhead and stunned the Chiefs, and it wasn't a fluky win. It was not a fluky win. They outplayed the Chiefs, and they caught the Chiefs maybe on a bad day, but the Raiders played great. And what we've seen since then is the Raiders continue to grow as a team and establish an identity, physical, uh, run the football, uh, make plays on defense. Uh, and I think they have a shot here. I know the Chiefs, obviously, Greg, are the favorite, uh, and they deserve to be. The desert thinks very highly of them in this game. But I don't see a, a blowout here. I just don't. I, I don't necessarily, although the COVID issues with the Raiders is something to watch out for. Uh, a lot of the players out of the facility this week that hope to be back for Sunday night. I hope they are because their defense has played better. Uh, you mentioned it, like Nick Kwiatkowski, Jeff Heath, like they're stepping up. They're making some plays. 
Uh, but I don't know if it's going to be enough against a Chiefs team who I think deserve a lot of credit for how they've responded to that game. And when I think about the Chiefs, I think about how the guys who got paid this offseason are all pay- playing like superstars. It's a little underrated. You get a monster contract right after winning the Super Bowl. And is there any letdown? No. Patrick Mahomes is right in line to be in the MVP conversation. Chris Jones, to me, is the best defensive interior pass rusher in the NFL other Other than Aaron Donald. He is playing that well. I think it has been his best season. And then you look at Travis Kelsey. Like, everyone just kind of takes Travis Kelsey for granted. Oh, yeah, of course he's good. He is on pace for the best uh, yardage, the, the most receptions in his entire career. And so when you look at the Chiefs, best players if they show up to me they still have too much firepower for the Raiders no I'm with you and and I sense disdain um from the Chiefs toward the Raiders and I I you know I I believe in certain types of revenge games I don't believe in like Duke Johnson going to Cleveland and having a revenge game but I do here because on Monday Andy (laughs) Reid bristled when he was asked about the Raiders um after that October 11th victory they took their little bus and circled it around Arrowhead Stadium twice, um, annoying the Chiefs. Mm. I guess the bus driver maybe um, threw some jabs at the Raiders before the game or something. Um, Reed was annoyed by it uh, to <laughs> the point where John Gruden had to say, this is ridiculous, that's not a, na- a narrative. I would be a little concerned, though, because in that first meeting, Carr threw for like 350 yards. The whole thing was the aggressive passing game. He's had 160 or less in three, three straight games. So to me, it's mm. a concern. This, this, this Raiders offense, they are running the ball better, but can they achieve that balance in what probably will be a game that asks them to, to air it out? I think they can, and I think a lot of that is game plan driven. Uh, why Carr's numbers have been down? I don't think it's because he's playing worse the last few weeks. I, I just think they're in a good spot, and they're playing with a lot of confidence. And I think that's why this is the perfect time to get the Chiefs having that win. Uh, yeah. Maybe they shouldn't have taken the bus around the stadium, but you know what? That was a big win for an organization that had been down it in was. the dumps uh, for several years, and it was the signature win of Gruden's tenure there to this point. So I'm not even going to get on, get on him too much for that. Uh, I'm. Back to the Chiefs' offense. One interesting thing to me, um, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, their rookie running back, it's interesting how that backfield is coming together because his snaps have gone down since Le'Veon Bell arrived, but it's not really about Le'Veon Bell at this point. Um, there were two blo- two blowouts, and then last their last game before the bye, uh, Darrell Williams was the guy that was getting love and getting play, and, and CEH was down to 40% of the snaps. So maybe this is becoming a situation, and your fantasy team's probably not going to like this if you if you bet on right. uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire big, that this is a committee backfield, but it's not necessarily one where Lev Bell has been the one that's changed things. Well, and you save him a little bit for the end of the year. Look, uh, Andy Reid doesn't care about all those people that got excited honking. It's like, I took CEH number one overall. It's like, okay, let's calm down and let's have the season play out. They're a pass-first team. They change it up depending on the opponent. They can do uh, whatever they want, and it's one of the reasons I feel so good. Like You you seem like you you give the Raiders much of a chance. I don't, and that's why I'm going to see if I can lock it up. Am I allowed to lock up the Chiefs on the road in prime time? Well, I want it. Well, I don't know. Do you have this. a mirror in Give your home? Give me that graphic. Did you look in the mirror? I do. And did How you see your reflection? Lost the game last time. Greg, I'm they only asking a question. See, the fact that you're defensive makes me a little worried. And Mark, I think you you probably agree with me. When you look well, in I the think mirror, everyone here. Do you see your reflection? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think I everyone do. here has had the game or two where um, you know they they they're on the edge. I don't think Patrick Mahomes is going to make Jeff Heath look like Troy Palomalu this week, as as what happened last week, Greg. If you can live with it, you can live with it. Um, but I can. Some if grumbling. you can't take the Chiefs in this game, you can never take them. Essentially, well, they're, they're playing a team them. that beat them earlier this year in Arrowhead. All this Raiders talk, uh, you know. I, All right, I Dan, thinking. help us out here. Listen, the the. The, the lock has never been about what other people think. It's what you think about yourself. And if you're comfortable with it, you lock up the defending world champion Chiefs. And that's good. All right. Let's move on. I actually don't have a huge issue with it for all the reasons I laid out. Uh, Greg, I, I like the Raiders. I like this team. Let's, let's get into uh, the other primetime game. Monday night football. And this one is fun. The Los Angeles Rams at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. One great defense against really a, a balanced Tampa Bay team, but an offense that is coming off a game where they totaled 544 yards and 46 points against the Panthers and didn't even hit their top gear. They left points on the field, if you'd believe that. So obviously Tampa, when they're right, uh, Mark Sessler can do uh, bad things to anyone, including an Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey team. However, however, we cannot look past the struggles that Tampa has had in primetime. And I don't care what Patrick Claibon says. Uh, they have struggled when the lights have been on. And it's on Bruce Arians' radar, I can tell you that. Well, yeah, I mean, Arians is having them practice at night to uh, simulate that. And, I mean, it, it kind of makes sense. You said they have had a team, a roster of players that haven't had the same nighttime game exposure that, say, Tom Brady has, who's played in prime time roughly 560 times. I like this matchup. I've had some issues with the Rams. Uh, I want to see them win a game that creates buy-in for those who look at the Rams and say, you're just a wild-card type team that's going to get you know knocked off at some point. This would do it for me. And I think they've got an inch. You mentioned the Jalen Ramsey thing. I mean, what he did against DK Metcalf last week was phenomenal. That's why you give up, you give up those draft picks for him. And so I, I think that's an X factor here because this is a different type of offense. What do you do? Do you take away Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Antonio Brown? You've got Gronk. I mean, I don't think we're going to get Jalen Ramsey on Scotty Miller too often, but someone's <laughs> going to have to deal with the best cover man in football right now. They also have Darius Williams, who blew up last week. I, I like this Rams defense and the idea that this game could be close in the fourth quarter. And that Rams running game, it truly, it truly was a running back by committee last week, Greg. And so I, I think if they can keep that happening as well against the tough Bucks defense, they got a chance. I think you put Ramsey on Mike Evans because Ramsey's so good against those physical receivers. But that still leaves Godwin and Antonio Brown, which you get the feeling that Tom Brady trusts those two guys more. I mean, he loves throwing Antonio Brown, who, by the way, has looked like a guy who's coming along and is going to help this team. All of them made big-time plays for him. So taking Evans out of the game, like, that's great. Darius Williams has been great all year, though. This guy's the closer. I mean, it's a great matchup because Brady, he missed all those deep throws last week people killed him for. it. Was, all those plays were because he was moved off his spot because the Panthers actually got him to move outside the pocket. He's not hitting anyone. Uh, when that happens. And it's kind of the same for the Rams quarterback, Jared Goff, too. I mean, I, I don't mean to just throw it back to uh, Mark here, Dan. I don't want to just leave you out of the mix. But we've got to talk about Mark's Jared Goff obsession. 
Like he's just like so mean to Jared Goff. Like, I'm not this that should be mean Christmas. This should be Christmas for Mark Sessler because it's Jared Goff against like the best blitzing team in the league, which spells trouble. It's it's I mean, kind of an know, ugly side of Mark that comes out when Jared Goff it's comes not. up. Let's I face mean, it. Jared Goff lives on like a fantastic like thirty acre orchard in Malibu. I don't think he cares whether or not I'm you know in love with what he's doing in this offense. I just think compared to some quarterbacks picked first overall into year four, whatever, that he's just attached to, to Sean McVay. And I want to see him operate um, a little differently. That's, I mean, I thought that, the, that what happened against the Dolphins would be really concerning to, to Rams fans. And can the Bucks go and mimic that? Because if you make Jared Goff uncomfortable, the result is not good. It's been negative, and it's and it's limited what the Rams can do. I think they're a more balanced team than they have been in years past, though. I think you're you are a little bit hard on LA. It's been that way for a couple of years. And you say you need a buy-in win. Well, no one was higher on the Seahawks than Mark Sessler a couple of weeks ago. So if if that's not the buy-in win, maybe this will be the one that does it. That's fair. I mean, that you know what? Listen, that that was that was a step, and, and, and you can't just say the Rams are a team that's just beaten up on the NFC East. It's not the case. So I hear you. I'm with you. I'm not anti Rams. I just want to see them become one of those teams in the NFC that fascinates me and builds trust. Mm. And I think a number of Rams fans that are level headed uh, would agree. They're six and three, though. You didn't think they were a playoff team. Not many people did coming into the season. So at this no, maybe point, I have, maybe my read team. on this team, maybe my read on the Rams is just like we should be, you know, taking someone else's read because I could be completely wrong. That wouldn't be the first. Um, we should mention Andrew Whitworth is not in this game, and that is a massive problem for for the Rams' offensive line, especially in this match. I mean, if they could win in Tampa, I would be surprised, uh, and it would say quite a bit. And one more point on Antonio Brown, and I know, I mean, the guy. He's a knucklehead, obviously. And there was that report of him destroying property at his apartment. I can't, I mean, I can't track it with this guy anymore. It's not enough to get him kicked off the team, apparently. But don't read into his fairly pedestrian numbers the first two weeks and say Antonio Brown is not a difference maker on this offense. I think he had six catches on seven targets last week. And the seventh target, he was open for a 50-yard touchdown that Brady missed. So Antonio Brown looks damn good. And uh, keep an eye on him in primetime. All right, now that we got the primetime games out of the way, let's move to our draft. And as luck would have it, for old Rosie, as he's called by some, I prefer Greggy. You got the first pick, buddy. (laughs) My mom prefers Greggy, too. It's just you and her that call me that. I am so excited I have the first pick because this is my favorite game of the entire season. It's Falcon Saints. You knew where I was going. I've been talking about this Falcon Saints rivalry as the best rivalry in football on our podcast since we started having a podcast, and it's always because it's a little crazy. Like, throw out the records when the Falcons and Saints play. It really is throw out the records because even last year on Thanksgiving when the Falcons were at their lowest and the Saints were at their highest, the Falcons found a way to win, and now you sprinkle in a little Jameis Winston into these two franchises that despise each other and these two fan bases, and it's going to get weird. I don't know how uh, much to put into Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill's tag team in the second half of last week. I'm trying not to put too much into it because it was ugly. Jameis did not look ready, and it made me think like, I think people are excited, including me, to see Jameis Winston in a Sean Payton offense. But I don't know if he's going to be bombs away, Jameis, that he was in Tampa. He's going to have to get used to this dink and dunk, you know, controlled style of play. And that's not really what Jameis does. And you're throwing Taysom Hill in there all the time. It makes me a little worried about what this matchup is going to be like. 
I know everyone sort of says, like, I trust Sean Payton, you know, to use the week to create a scheme that allows Jameis to be successful. I mean, he did that with Teddy Bridgewater last year and really helped Teddy Bridgewater get a starting job. So I think there is trust in Sean Payton more than Coach X. I mean, I'd put him in the top two or three in the league to create something this week. I I think the Taysom Hill thing, you know, he's actually had some positive plays, but the perception on him is basically baked into a pie right now. People are annoyed with him on Twitter. I get that. Um, He can be used successfully. Well, I mean, just the perception. It's like, oh, we're annoyed with we're, everyone. The, no matter what he does, everyone's got to like have their little giggles and laughs. People That's love fine. pie, though. Who doesn't love pie? Well, maybe it's a pie with an people don't like Taysom Hill for some for reason. People, I, right? I know exactly what Mark's saying. There's a bit of right. an edge to the Taysom Hill analysis. Well, he does on have Twitter. four fumbles, and he has four fumbles. Mm, and it's not touches. that. It's more than anyone. It's, it's not, true. Greg, if, if Taysom Hill were actually baked into a pie, you wouldn't eat that, by the way. So, you know, I'm not sure where I'm going with that argument. I want to see how they, how they deal with these two quarterbacks. But, I mean, they, I, I get the, the idea that anyone can win, um, and the quarterback thing makes it a true X factor. But the Saints' defense right now is warming up, and I just I trust them. To, I know that Raheem Morris said the Dirty Birds are back, and that may be true, but they're not entirely back. I mean, they're a hot and cold operation if I've seen one. Well, they've been pretty hot with Raheem Morris, so that's why it's a very interesting matchup. And, uh, you know, like they say, I feel like uh, speaking of Patrick Claiborne, something he would hate was saying throwing out all the record books. I feel like he said, the record should still head. be there. <laughs> um, but anyway... Here's why I love this game. I don't know if it's a first overall pick uh, love game, but uh, oh, the, range, the range of outcomes for Jameis Winston and the Saints is so high. It could be, it could get to the point where he plays so well that Drew Brees gets healthy and the head coach goes, huh, I think we're going to stay with this guy because he brings something to Ooh. our offense that we didn't have anymore with Drew Brees. It could be so bad that he ruins their season because Drew Brees, it sounds like we're hearing reports he's going to miss multiple weeks and it might just be enough where, you know, cost him a division title and uh, someone comes up and gets them and then puts them on the road in the playoffs and away we go. Uh, or it just kind of keeps them steady, like what Teddy Bridgewater did last year. But the fact that James is such a different quarterback, uh, it doesn't seem like it's going to go that way. It's probably going to be one or the other. And I will say this, when, when I do the power rankings, um, I kept them at number three, the Saints, even though you could certainly make the case that with Jameis Winston there, you, you drop him. Because I do think, I just have a bit of a feeling that he's going to play well, that he's in a good spot. Ooh. He's got good playmakers around him. He's got a head coach that's going to uh, keep him from uh, making some of the mistakes that have killed him in his career. And I feel so good about the Jameis Winston Whoa. era in New Orleans. I don't care how hot Atlanta is. Or Winston's 30-30 season. I'm locking up the Saints to keep their winning streak going with Seamus Jameis. I like this lock. I love I it. think this is this is gutsy because you're right. The variance on Winston, it's not the Bucks' offense. I think he's going to be put in a safer a situation. Word, great work. So I'm with you, Dan. Nice lock. That's a gutsy lock. All right, thanks. Mm. I uh, I want him to be like Brock Osweiler when he took over in the last season of Peyton Manning, except he never gives it back, like you said. And it's Jameis Winston starting in the Super Bowl. Love <laughs> it's it. It's in play. He it's just, all in play. He, 
<laughs> he needs Michael Thomas to step up, though. That is one thing. We have not seen Michael yes. Thomas and Alvin Kamara both great at the same time. Uh, Michael Thomas has 18 targets this year for 95 yards. Man, he could use Michael Thomas to be Michael Thomas, but you get a feeling he's not 100% off that high ankle sprain. Or maybe not 100% checked in, maybe. It just seems there's something still, even though now he's back in the game. <laughs> I still don't know if I buy in on what's going on with Michael Thomas. He doesn't seem like the same guy. All right, let's move on. The number two overall pick goes to Mark Sessler. All right, this is my number two overall pick. I hope it's not Ryan. I know, I just said. I said it was. I said it was the number two overall pick. Well, I'm, I'm reminding myself. You know, that's how this works. I'm going to go Browns-Eagles. Um, I just kind of want to see if Mother Nature wow, can come wow. reap total. The draft is setting up well for the old Zeuser. This is like you know a Tim Couch type Browns pick, or maybe uh, who is it? Courtney, what's his name? Look, Courtney Brown. Courtney, Courtney Brown. Brown Courtney Thorne Smith, I think Storm. it was. Yes, Thorne Smith, who came in and registered 12 tackles, I believe, in the uh, 2003 season. All right, stop trying to get me off course here. The Browns and Eagles, look at Mother Nature has wreaked total havoc on Cleveland, and it sounds like it won't be great again on Sunday. It's played in Cleveland's advantage, not against the Raiders because they didn't have Nick Chubb, but last week against Houston, Houston lined up eight men in the box like 36 times, and it didn't really matter. The Browns ran for like 150 yards in the fourth quarter. Wyatt Teller, um, a human being who was made in a lab apparently, he's become like a supercharged uh, guard for them, highest rated PFF guy in the world right now, um, and it looks like it. He is a dominator. So with Chubb and Hunt and the whole crew back and Austin Hooper blocking as well, I like this idea of them going and beating an Eagles team that frankly has been not just bad, but as boring an offense as I've watched in years. And they just seem tangled, um, lost in themselves. I don't see a lot of trust around Carson Wentz and the scheme. Doug Peterson, you guys, we know that on this week on radio, he's venting on people. That's when you think, you know, things are starting to get a little thorny and fairly. pissed off, Angelo. Yeah, I'm going to pick the Browns in this game. I keep picking them, but I also have this feeling, and I I, I bet you do too, Mark, just because you're a Browns fan, that like they're going to get picked off in one of these games or yeah. something oh, yeah. to win. Yeah. It just it feels like it's coming. I don't know if it's going to be this week. I'm picking them to win because of what you said. Like They dialed Wentz back, I think, a week ago. I think they made uh, a concerted effort to sh- cut down on some of the plays that maybe he turns the ball over, have him outside of the pocket left, have him, have him running left. So it's like, okay, you had no turnovers, but you were still terrible. I mean, and can we get a normal weather Browns game? Uh, you, you mentioned it might be bad again, but I just I want to see what this team looks like when there's not 35-mile-an-hour wins. Right? Yeah. Our friend uh, Nick Shook, who helps us out on the podcast on Sunday nights and does awesome work at NFL.com, he's a Cleveland native, and it broke him last week. He, he tweeted out that he wants to put a roof on top of that stadium wow. in Cleveland. Which <laughs> The whole thing with the Browns is it's supposed to be tough in the elements, but it's frustrating because you don't get a good gauge on these teams that are playing, including Baker Mayfield, who's kind of been just out of the picture because there's only so much you can do uh, passing when it's 35-mile-per-hour wins. I think with the Eagles, I have officially lost hope uh, that Carson Wentz is going to get fixed this year because I think, mm. and you heard in that radio interview, and really great job by whatever station that was. Can we just say again? Carson uh Teeing up Doug Peterson in the worst way imaginable. Um, but... Uh, you sense the frustration is because they don't know how to fix him. They don't know how to fix their quarterback, and they need their quarterback. So I'm very uh, apprehensive. That said, I'm I'm totally with you. I 
I don't want to say it, Mark, but I got a feeling the Eagles are going to pick off the Browns in this game. If I had to pick oh, this mm. game, if I was doing I, the old Greggy uh, pick every game scenario that he does on uh, his other f- program, I would be picking the Eagles to take a W. NFL game day view, Friday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern. I mean, if you're going to plug it, you know, give it the name. I mean, the, the endless plugs, the endless plugs. I write an article that appears on Tuesdays. About 12 people read it. Find that on the internet if you can, please. But I'm with you. I'm a little concerned about this Eagles. Um, I, the matchup is concerning because they need it desperately to break out. There's like 25 more hours of Eagles football this season. I mean, based on where we are, that's 25 too many, but I, I would be concerned about them, uh, you know, getting a couple more wins here Cleveland better have their heads on straight pick the game Mark Cleveland 21 Eagles 18 field Mm. goal overtime and driving wins Cody Parkey Cody Parkey all right very good all right time now for road to victory presented by the United States Marine Corps oh the old Zeus of the draft has really fallen to him in a beautiful way it's like back in August when (laughs) Alvin Kamara dropped to me at nine in my league of record in fantasy. And I was like, this is going to be a good season. Well, guess what? I'm picking third overall and I get Tennessee at Baltimore. Let's go. Let's fly. I can't wait to watch this game. The Ravens, we got to figure out what's going on with this team. Are they a Super Bowl contender still? Or are they a team that just doesn't know how to win? Can't get a big win. And this Mm. is a big stage for them uh, coming off. A very disappointing primetime game. Yes, we understand. It's on the road. We understand the elements were terrible. It was a monsoon uh, for the final possession of the game when they had a chance uh, to steal it. It just wasn't in the cards. But it it just hasn't been right. And I know you look at a lot of the numbers and you look at the analytics and everybody's telling you that the Ravens are still a great team and six and three is hardly a bad record, but something just seems a little bit off in the pie mark. When you put all the ingredients in there, all the ingredients are, are great, high quality. And then you put it in the oven, you take it out after an hour or whatever. I don't know how long pies cook. Um, and <laughs> no, it's like, it this good. doesn't taste right. Something is just a little bit off. So what will they do against the Titans? They are Getting the Titans, however, Greg, I feel at a good time. Tennessee is a team that has some confidence issues of its own after a disappointing primetime game last Thursday against the Colts, a special teams uh, apocalypse for them. And I don't know if their defense and especially their secondary, even with Desmond King, is up for this challenge. Yeah, you look at their defense, and I think it's still the worst group in this game. Like, if you talk about the Ravens offense, defense, the Titans offense is obviously still good. The Titans defense is the problem, but this is a week you're going to need to see Lamar throw the ball because I think that's how you beat Tennessee. And one of the problems you mentioned with the Ravens, Dan, is like the identity that they had a year ago was running up the middle on offense and setting the edge on defense. Just a, a team you could not get to the outside. And those are both collapsing. And now you play Tennessee and Derrick Henry. It's like, who is tougher to stop when he gets to the edge than Derrick Henry? Like, that is a problem. And I'd be a little worried. It's the playoff rematch. It's like a lot of bad memories. They need to exercise their demons or else this season starts feeling pretty dark. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, it's I, I think both teams have been impacted by offensive line injuries. And we know Ronnie Stanley has been, Staley has been out for the Ravens. Matt Skur, their center, had to tweet out an apology for a, you know, a string of absurd drafts, uh, of, of snaps last week. So DJ Fluker was benched in that Patriots game. And I think for the Titans, like Taylor Lewan being out with the ACL and, you know, Roger Saffel was hurt last week. That has impacted Ryan Tannehill to some degree. He's had to kind of speed up and get rid of throws a little quicker. I mean, he is as tough as they come in the pocket 
pocket, but they've been a little disjointed themselves. So I think it's two teams, uh, two organizations with their backs against a wall. It's like a, myth, a mythical giant versus a depressing bird. I don't know who to pick. I'm, I'm in a state of confusion. I have uh, two quick takes off the last time we saw the Titans. Number one, A.J. Brown catches that pass down the sideline when they're up 7 nothing. They're up two touchdowns, and who knows how that game plays sure. out. So just a, a failure to execute what seemed like a fairly basic uh, long touchdown pass really hurt them. And then my other point is a broader one about Mike Vrabel, the head coach, and I understand uh, Patriot loyalty runs deep here. But the next big field goal or extra point that Steven Guskowski mix misses is going to be on the head mm. coach as much as it's on the kicker. Because loyalty has to have its limits. I cannot believe uh, that we're still in this situation with this setup where Kaskowski, it almost doesn't matter what he does, he's going to be their kicker. So if it happens again, put it on Vrabel. Kaskowski's doing the best he can, but he's a limited kicker at this point in the game. I mean, what a what a pick for you getting this uh, as the third overall pick. The the most mismatched kicker battle you'll have all season <laughs> oh. uh, with the goat. You know, Justin Tucker. And you got Tony Romo on the call in this game. You don't normally see uh, value like that this late. I'm we got Jim Nance because I know I saw some reports. Jimmy Nance is looking for a raise. Is, is, is he going to be there? Is he going to be in mm. the booth? Game time decision. <laughs> All right. That was Road to Victory presented by the United States Marine Corps. All right. So I love my, my pick there, three overall. And now with the snake... Are you kidding me? I get Green Bay at Indianapolis? What a draft for the old Zeuser in the late games in the afternoon. Uh, nice matchup here. You have uh, the Packers who, listen, they're having a nice season. I like the Packers. I, do I totally, fully trust the Packers? Uh, no, I'm not there. I don't think they're a, a, a team that has shown us that they are at the level of the truly elite teams. But when you look at their record and, and how the season overall has gone, uh, you could say they have been. So I'm, I'm kind of still learning to trust Green Bay. I like this matchup as a measuring stick game for them because they go to Indianapolis, so they go on the road and they face a Colts team that should, you would think, be able to give them uh, some trouble because they play very good defense, the Colts, so they have the opportunity to potentially disrupt Aaron Rodgers, who's been at an all-pro level this year. And then on offense against a Green Bay defense that I don't think anybody uh, trusts, uh, Philip Rivers and Naheem Hines, who I really liked what we saw on Thursday night. Maybe they're figuring out that backfield, which we know is a big issue for the Colts. They haven't been able to get um, that backfield going since Marlon Mack's Achilles tear and Jonathan Taylor has struggled. Uh, but maybe Naheem Hines, who had 115 yards uh, and two touchdowns against the Titans is a solution back there. So I really like this as a close game, uh, and I think it could go either way. I'm with you on Hines. I, you know, I know Greg was calling to see more of him a, a week ago, and you got it. And uh, Bob Kravitz, longtime beat writer for the Colts, um, compared him to Eric Metcalf of old, and I, I see a little bit of that. What I liked about the Colts last week in the, in the win over the Titans was, I mean, you, you know, we, we also mentioned the special team stuff. It helps to have the Titans with a third-string punter, just to throw that in there. But um, at the same time, Rivers, they went a little up-tempo. I thought that Rivers probably played his best game of the season, and they need that. They need the offense to complement what I think is the most enjoyable defense to watch in the league. I think mm. Darius Leonard um, is the anchor, obviously, the heart of that defense. Another They're shot at the Rams. Anyone in, excuse me? Another shot at the Rams. Just noting it. It is not a shot at the Rams. The Rams are in the mix, but the Colts... 
that's their identity, and they at least have an identity on that side of the ball. So it's a great challenge for Aaron Rodgers, who, I mean, look at they squeaked one out against the Jaguars last week. I, I like to see a little more firepower from Green Bay. Uh, they don't seem to be the team they were a couple months ago. Yeah, Matt LaFleur keeps talking about that, that they don't have energy, like, on the side. He re- he really doesn't stop talking about it, like, that we need more juice. He doesn't know why they're not excited. Like, I don't know if that's an excuse after the fact or if this team really is flat. I think this game sets up well because they're on turf. And to me, even though they're, you know, from Green Bay, they are would be a great indoor team. Devontae Adams cutting on turf. Aaron Jones, who's been a little quiet, relatively coming off the injury. His speed showing up on turf, and their speed could definitely give the the Colts defense problems. It, it's a great matchup. I I have a very hard time picking this game. I'm curious where you guys would go. I went with the Colts, but I don't feel good about it. Oof. I'd go Colts. I- I, I, I'll, I'll, I think the Packers, I would pick the Packers, but I don't do it with a, a lot of confidence. It was good to see Marquez Valdez-Scantling break out there with going four for uh, 147, and he had the long touchdown. They just need more consistency uh, from him. And Alan Lazard, if, if he can get back, uh, he's missed time with a core injury. I know uh, you kind of forget about it because it was right as he was taking off uh, that he went down with the injury, but they seem like they had really found something there. So there's a potential here that with Aaron Jones, and I know he's been kind of in a bit of a committee, surprisingly, Aaron Jones the last couple of weeks, but as he gets further away from his injury, Lazard back, MVS flashing, Devontae Adams being Devontae Adams, that the Packers will go up a level on offense and perhaps as soon as Sunday. So I, that's why I picked the Packers, but I, I, I do think it's a close game. I'm looking forward to this one. It's a we- good one. We should mention that uh, Jair Alexander, who is, I would say, the best cornerback in the league this year, uh, has been out for a few weeks. They hope to get him back this week. Maybe Kevin King, too, who's another starting corner. So that's a big deal for them, uh, in addition to Lazard. But I want to see a little more uh, before we move on, just out of this Packers pass rush. Remember Zadarius. I had him in the top five defensive players of the year last year. He hasn't been the same. Kenny Clark hasn't quite been the same. He got that big extension. And Preston Smith hasn't been the same. So if Phillip Rivers is protected, I kind of like the Colts in most games where you can give Phillip Rivers some time. And so far, the the Packers defense hasn't had uh, nearly as much juice up front as they did a year ago. Well, I mean, I know for sure that Mike Pettin is watching this. He watches every episode and listens to every podcast that that we do. I mean, that's Believe Mike land. Pettin, you know, you want some energy on that sideline. <laughs> Flip the switch on the pass rush there. All right, I'm looking. Didn't at you the... write a big feature about Pettin once? Uh, didn't I did. you like go yeah. live in his apartment that was like next to the facility? The two well, of you there's just been a out or something. There's been a long string of Browns coaches that have lived in those apartments. But he also <laughs> dug in on his thoughts on the Warren Commission and other things. If you'd like, that's another article that you could find um, on NFL.com if you so wish to search for it. <laughs> there you go, Mark. See, plugging isn't a bad thing. You're proud of the work you do. You want to get ago. it out there. And while we're here, the Power Rankings Show with Matt Money Smith every Tuesday, <laughs> 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on NFL Network. The Packers 7-2 and two entering this game. The Saints 7-2. and two. The Saints now pl- start Jameis Winston on purpose. Uh, so the Packers with a somewhat soft schedule have a chance mm. here to go get that number one seed if they can close uh, out this regular season strong. All right. Up next in the draft. Uh, I'm just... I'm just on fire after that 3-4 uh, slotting by the old Zeuser. Mark, you're up. Well, I mean, there aren't, you know, I'm going to go Dallas at Minnesota. I need, you know, there's not that many 4 o'clock games. you got to schedule your day out. But there's something to like about this. You, I talk about teams that change our perception of who they are. 
The what? This guy hates his draft class. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, you're like the guy in the press conference afterwards. It's like it's just how the board fell to us. Like we would have drafted him. <laughs> no, higher, that's exactly what happened at all. Yeah, it's exactly all what right. happened. I mean, you ha- like you know, there's stuff behind the curtain here that we have to deal with that the viewer doesn't need to worry about. Dallas, Minnesota. <laughs> all right, Minnesota at least is this. I think has grown into one of the tougher teams, and their defense over the last couple of weeks they have given up 22 points, 20 points. 13. They were 10th in DVOA. This defense has turned it around. There's a lot of new faces. Mike Zimmer had a lot to deal with a couple months ago. This is turning into one of Mike Zimmer's better coaching performances. On the flip side, Dallas's defense, you know, there's a lot of bubbling up this week because you're dealing with Dalvin Cook. Is it going to re- be a repeat of when the Browns came in and ran the ball for 307 yards? And it was Demarcus Lawrence mm. who said, absolutely not. We're not that defense anymore. We're not going to have a re- repeat of that game. And I don't think they are that defense. Greg, I know that you've talked a little bit about the uptick for the Cowboys on that side of the ball. I don't, I don't believe in this team, but I think we might get to a point where maybe Mike McCarthy isn't wishing that he had just simply vanished to the Caribbean eating shrimp than drinking like cold beers versus actually doing this job. They've got a chance to close it out strong here. Awesome. That sounds sounds, incredible. That sounds fun. Red Stripe. I'd I'd much rather be doing that. Let's let's all do that. Yeah, I'm I'm a little surprised the Cowboys defense didn't get more love for how they played against Pittsburgh. Maybe it's because they they ended up losing that game and then they go on a bye. But Demarcus Lawrence is one of the streakiest and best defensive players of the last five years. When he gets on a roll, he dominates. And he has been on that roll the last three weeks. Then Neville, Neville Gallimore, who we didn't hear from early in the season, he's had two great weeks in a row. Uh, you get Leighton Van Der Esch back. He's playing much better. He's kind of looking like the Leighton Van Der Esch of old. And Randy Gregory made a big difference. So I think, I don't know, it's, I know it's only a two-week sample size, but they played good defense two straight weeks. So I at least give them some hope that maybe they're turning it around. There there are players on this Cowboys front that can that can cause some damage and maybe keep this game close. I think they're going to be just good enough to like lose close games instead of lose blowouts, basically. Or win yeah. the NFC East at 4-12. and 12. I mean, one of those two things will happen. <laughs> it's, it's certainly possible. You know, I, I didn't give up the ghost with the Vikings, the team of Zeus TL. And here's the thing. I don't know if I'm ready to give up the ghost with the Dallas Cowboys either and it's it's maybe rooted uh in some weird sense of faith in Andy Dalton and this idea that he could still Ooh. he could still pilot this offense and get them back to respectability on that side of the ball uh, with all the playmakers he has and and I'm I have much less confidence with this take than I did when he first entered the lineup but I still think unless he completely lost his skill set or unless Mike McCarthy and Kellen Moore are just bad at their jobs and have no idea how to get him comfortable. They've had weeks now because of this COVID-19 and the concussion to look at the tape. Who knows? Make it Look at the old Dalton tape in Cincinnati. What did he do well? What is he comfortable with? Well, here are some of the best playmakers in football. Let's find a way to start scoring 26 or 27 points a game. I'm not ruling it out. And when if they can mm. do that... And if they start that this week, and I don't think you, it's impossible to ask to do it against Minnesota's defense, all of a sudden the NFC East once again mutates into something still wow. disturbing but even more interesting. So I had my, I was almost, boys. I almost was completely um, had like 17 red stripes deep and locked up the Cowboys just on a lark, but I didn't <laughs> wow. do it. But that's how I feel. I think they're going to put up points and be better on offense with Dalton back. Justin Jefferson... 
and CD Lamb. CD Lamb was the guy that was the superstar rookie wide receiver before Dak went down. I like that both these guys are playing in this game. There, there's just this mm. is a this Mark. Don't be so hard on your draft class. This is a pretty decent uh, late round pick. Well, I had CD Lamb on my fantasy team. Literally, nobody cares about this, but I mean, the guy has gone to sleep. I'd like to see him, you know, reawaken and, and be productive. I think he's looks as good as anyone else in the rookie draft class. But Jefferson, the he's numbers no Jefferson. are insane. He's no right. Jefferson. Come on, Cowboys, get off the mat. It's still there for the taking, but I'm rooting for my Vikings. All right, boys, let's keep rolling here. Uh, up next in the draft, Greg Rosenthal. What do you got, bud? Well, what I don't got is your Jets. I'm going to stick you with Joe Flacco. That's how the draft is going to go. I'm taking the Dolphins and the Broncos. This is the game that Mark Sessler would have loved. But you know what? He already took the bite. He's already got a late afternoon game. And uh, I I do love watching this Dolphins team, too. Mark is not alone. Really, ever since they blew the doors off the 49ers, I think since that moment forward, you could say, wow, this, this is one of the teams that just gave you something new, gave you something surprising that you didn't see coming this season. And that's nice. It's been a little bit of a chalk season. A lot of expected teams are good. There's not a ton of like massive surprises. And they're a team about margins. And you know, Mark keeps comparing them to the early Patriots. And I see that because it's turnover margin. They're great at that. And I think that's where Tua has helped them. Tua gets rid of the ball more quickly than Ryan Fitzpatrick. So it, it helps their bad offensive line. He's not as explosive, but he also, you know, hasn't turned the ball over. He's caught, he's caught some breaks, but he's not a guy that's going to fumble. He's not a guy that's going to take a lot of sacks. That's a positive. They don't get penalized. That's small margins. Uh, they're great on special teams week after week after week. That's the margins. And, uh, that was a big Belichick thing, and I think Flores and the way he coaches his team um, is really smart about more teams lose games than than really do win games. And these two teams, Broncos, Dolphins, are a perfect example. The Broncos have a better roster. I mean, they have a way better roster. And look at where these two teams are at. The, the Broncos go out and lose games, whereas the the Dolphins, the Mark set the team of Sestiel, uh, you know, they just play solid every week and they let the other teams blow themselves up. Yeah, I mean, I, I think one thing that we've said and like mentioned that there are only a handful of coaches that do everything you just talked about, and Brian Flores appears to be um, heading towards that group. He's in the group. I don't feel that way about Denver's coaching staff, and they're and it's you know it's like they're three and six. For the fourth straight season, um, I think it, I think reality presents itself when you have a lot of friends from a certain fan base and you can feel a mass revolt. And I feel that with the Broncos right now. And it, mm. I think it, it's the 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 interest around Drew Locke being totally extinguished. I mean, he's had a string of bad games. The Raiders game, his mistakes, uh, dangerous passes, and what that turned into the turnovers. It just nullifies your chance to win. I mean, they. They have given up 36 points per game since week seven on defense. They're really banged up. They're really banged up on defense. Like Bryce I Callahan, think. no A.J. Bouye, no Von Miller, Shelby Harris, Jarrell Casey, Mike Purcell. All these guys have been out. But they're also last in the league on, in, on, D, on offense and DVOA. So neither Ugh. side of the ball Worse is... Worse than the Jets. I, right. Neither, exactly. They just eclipsed the Jets after that past week. Um, and so I, you're heading in the wrong direction. And I think there's a big offseason coming ahead for John Elway. There's, there are parts in place on this offense, but you've got to get a quarterback that can at least be safe with the ball um, versus what we saw recently from Drew, were, Locke, Drew Locke. 
they enter the season as an interesting fringy in the mix, potentially for a playoff spot team. Uh, and then they got a bunch of their key players hurt. And then their quarterback, who they believed was an ascendant young player, has uh, pooped the bed. So it's like you add those things together, uh, a roster that's been compromised by injuries and a quarterback that is not playing well. And, and that's how they are. That's how they got in here. I want to clarify something again. I can't believe I have to do this again because it happened with the Panthers, too, on this podcast. Just because I am not as high as you guys on certain teams does not mean I don't enjoy watching the Dolphins or I'm not excited watching. You're Dolphin a Jets games. fan. You're you're worried that it's, they're going to replace no, the Patriots as no. this new. They're the new rivals that's going to you know take. Oh, you let, guys have let, all, let the you, witness speak. Let's yeah. See you, you have all these here. theories baked in your mind about why I don't love certain teams with the Panthers. It's because. The Jets could have had Matt Rule, and now I guess with the Dolphins, because the Dolphins are the next Patriots. All that stuff is like in your heads. For me, no, 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 no. With, with the Panthers, I just didn't think they were ready, and I think I've been proven right on that point. And with the Dolphins, uh, I just the only question I ask, and they're fun to watch, and I loved the onions that it took to put Tua in the lineup, and the fact that he's he looks like an exciting young player. That's cool. And Dolphins, what people on the outside of the AFC East don't understand is like. Where I am as a, a Jets fan, I don't have malice towards Miami. It's been so long since the Jets and Dolphins have been relevant, truly relevant teams. And I know the Jets had a little window there in the beginning of the Rex Ryan era uh, that all that bad blood has worn off. And hopefully mm. in a couple of years, it will be back and I'll be back to hating the Dolphins. But I'm not. And I and Henry Hodgson is one of my good friends here in L.A. He's a Dolphins fan. I'm happy for him. I just wonder if – if it's sustainable, well, if you want to paint me that way, I got to tell you the other side of the story. The Dolphins, is it sustainable to be getting a huge special teams play every week, getting huge defensive plays every week? Maybe th- maybe this is it. Maybe this is one of those years. You guys have mentioned the 2001 Patriots. Maybe they are on a magic carpet ride, uh, but I need, I need a little bit more. And some of the defense and special teams, like the block punt last week is an example. It's just not going to happen every week, or usually it doesn't. It, all right, but for, there's a couple things happening here. Number one, like I can guarantee to you that Greg and I don't spend five minutes a day um, thinking where you are with the Panthers or Dolphins. Like it's uh, much, it's much more clearly in your head. Dan, like, this is the second Thursday show in a row when you've stopped down to make a state of the union about where you are with. Matt Rule and where you are now with the Dolphins. Like, I don't think that you dislike the Dolphins or don't want to watch them. They're probably closer to how I feel about the Bengals as a Browns fan. But, I mean, I guess when they win a playoff game, then will you, like, be – like, yeah, you're not – you're yes, always, like, never when ready Dolphins, to, like – When the Dolphins win a playoff game, I will, I will love the Dolphins as much as you do. Uh, I was just saying Greg had set up his initial point by saying – I'm with you, Mark. I like watching these Dolphins. I like watching them too. It just—I just don't think they're going to be hoisting Lombardi it, it, Trophy yet. Depends, That's it. Depends it. what the the goal is. Like, I think if you're a Dolphins fan, just giving your fans some fun football and being in the playoff race—they've they've won. And I don't, I, don't nec- yep. I don't necessarily think that they're going to go in the Super Bowl. No, I do think they can be a playoff team and they can have this formula. Um, to get them into the playoffs. And then who knows if you can win a game or not, because like they do have talent, like Xavier Howard is playing like a pro bowler and those two cornerbacks, Byron Jones and Xavier Howard, which was a GM move, you know, uh, Chris Greer and, and Brian Flores, that was their vision kind of to build back to front. Those guys are really playing great. And it seems like it's a disaster uh, for old Drew Locke this week. All right. right. It's snakes. Oh, by the way, Mark, did you have something to add on the Dolphins in this game? 
I do. Yes. Which, um, <laughs> if you watch the back end of our NFL network version of the show, will be revealed to you there as well. But to double dip, I'm going to be locking up these dolphins. And I don't like the negative energy around the concept of me finding fun in a team. I, it's not a me versus you or me versus anyone else thing. Let's put that to bed. The dolphins are well coached. So those little things that happen are going to happen more to a well coached team. It's not random or just an aberration. I mean, I, I just think this is the difference between team A and some other teams. And I hope it continues for Miami. Jets Dolphins games used to be the best AFC crazy rivalries around. They'd be like 45 to 42. Let's get back to that versus the Jets mm-hmm. scoring 42 points over six weeks combined. Let's get back to those days. Enough. Dude. Next game. In the words of the recently retired Joe Beningo over on WFAN, from your lips to God's ears, my friend. Right. Trevor Lawrence <laughs> and Tua slugging it out over the next decade. That sounds that sounds fun to me. Not uh, to me. All right. I like I like uh, I like the Dolphins uh, as well in this game. All right, uh, Greg, it snakes to you. All right, everyone's got different strategies how they do the drafts. When I got Falcon Saints early, my oh, game you're going to do game I know of the year. No, I'm no, you don't. Totally, I want a game. I'm not going to get too crazy focusing on this week. That game is Jake Luton facing uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Ooh, Mark is upset here. No, you I did like exactly what that. I was. No, that you know that's nice, good strategy. I, I, you know, this game, I, I want a blowout. Uh, I want the Steelers to just take care of business, and and I'll be enjoying the uh, the greatest rivalry in football on the other screen. I, I'm not a hundred percent sure there's going to be a blowout because you know, number one, the last time the Steelers went on the road against a bad team, that they were very lucky to beat the Cowboys, and number two, I think the Jaguars' defense. It's again, it's only a two week sample size, but it's worth pointing out teams do change as this season goes along. They've been totally respectable the last two weeks. They've been very competitive. Miles Jack. Uh, they have a rookie, Davon Hamilton, in the middle of their line. Sidney Jones, who used to be on the Eagles, is now a cornerback for them and playing really well. I'm just, they've played two games in a row. It's worth noting the Steelers' offense hasn't been like overly explosive. So this could backfire on me, and it's a close, great game. I don't even want it to be a great game. But to me, Jake Luton, uh, he has not been as good as kind of the raw numbers look like. And it looks like a guy who's just going to get overmatched. And Gardner Minshew is still out. He's still hurt and he's not coming back. I need, I need, as we've talked about, uh, I need a Jaguars win somewhere in here. Uh, get them to two and, and a best case scenario, even three wins. I just don't see it happening here. I think it's going to be grisly. I think Ben Roethlisberger looked great, uh, last week. Uh, four touchdowns through for 380 yards. And he just has so many weapons at his disposal uh, with Deontay Johnson healthy. Uh, what he brings to that offense, Juju Smith Schuster has gotten on track after a funky start to the year. And of course a lost 2019 and Chase Claypool is just a, a difference maker. He's just one of those guys that he's raw and you'll notice he'll maybe drop a pass here or run the wrong route there. He's a rookie, and he looks like a rookie at times, but he's just set, got such a nose for the end zone, and he's a, a born playmaker. So you add him to the mix, mm. and it's just like Ben Roethlisberger doesn't have to be 2010 Ben Roethlisberger anymore. He just needs to be proficient, and he's more than that. So I love the Steelers' offense and obviously love them against Jacksonville. I would like to see the run game in Pittsburgh be a little bit more consistent, a little bit more diverse. Uh, I think that there's just been some disappointing. Ad- I mean, you make up for it because of everything else they can do, but they're going to get into a game or two where they're going to need someone like James Conner to be better than he's been. So, that, that, But I'm with you, Greg. This was my strategy. I was going to pick mm. that game for the early 
blowout window. But what I've learned is when you go in that direction, it it's not work. a blowout. You're going to get like a weird overtime <laughs> game. So All right. well, where are you going? Man? Where I'm going to go is Detroit, Carolina. Um, you know, I can control the Matt Rule messaging on Sunday night that way. That'll be really important on this show, apparently. Uh, but it's a good way to look at it. Like I, you know, here's the other thing. I, I'm going to be honest with you. Like when I when you're circling through these Game Pass um, operations, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, in preparation for our preview and just to learn about the league, the Lions tape is always the one that I drift off into a sleep and I start to wonder what I need to do to kind of like perk my body back up. Knock so it out Sunday. Yeah, exactly. So you want to get rid of the Lions on Sunday. But I do think that the Lions, they, it sounds like Kenny Galladay is practicing. Um, getting him back would be huge. Matthew Stafford's yeah. in an iffy situation. But DeAndre Swift finally became the guy that I kind of thought he would be right away uh, when they you know, superseded him with Adrian Peterson and all this other business. Swift looked really good last week. So that's, it's an interesting matchup. I think the, you know, no Christian McCaffrey for the Panthers. But this offense has been watchable and explosive week after week. It's just that, you know, they can't win shootouts with that defense um, unless their offense is almost perfect. And you're not playing, you know, the Chiefs this time around. You're not playing the Bucks. You're going to get the Lions. I think this is the game where Matt Rule, to your point, Dan, like staying close is nice, but they have the guns to win some of these games. You got to close one of these out. This should be the week. Well, not if Teddy's hurt. So we're going into the game. Not a hundred percent sure if Stafford or Teddy Bridgewater will start. So if one, if one is sitting and the other is playing, I'm, I like that team to win. Cause if they're both playing, I kind of like uh, the Panthers in a coaching game because I think these two teams are close enough that coaching should make a difference and the Panthers get the win. But you're right. The, the Lions are way more watchable when Galladay is on the field. They're way more explosive. And now that they've handed it over to DeAndre Swift, man, his cuts are just great. I know, you know, you say like running backs don't matter. That's a fun, um, you know, Twitter I think they do. joke. Well, they matter for your watchability because when it's, when it's DeAndre Swift back there, uh, they are a much more fun team to watch. They've had some good things. They've had some young players come up a little bit, uh, whereas if you have Galladay and Swift unlocked at the same time, we haven't really seen that this year for the Lions. I can't believe the Lions are four and five. It doesn't yeah, seem lucky. to make sense to me. They they feel like they should be three and six, uh, uh, and I know that's only one game, but it does feel like a big difference. They feel like a classic three and six team that's going nowhere, but they're right in the mix, if they can just string together some wins, and yet I don't trust them, and I think, um, I think the Panthers are too good to just continue to lose every single week. I, I think they're, uh, I think they're overdue, frankly, and I think the Lions are a team that is known to fall on their faces. So if we have, if we have the right players on the field, and if we have the both quarterbacks playing, I think it's a very dangerous game here. Uh, for Detroit, who probably feeling good about themselves uh, after uh, their latest win, and they got a five game a team with a five game losing streak up next in their schedule. But I would not be surprised, even with Christian McCaffrey not playing, and we know he's not playing. I think the Panthers have a shot here. I just don't trust the Lions mm. at all. Shout out to uh, Romeo Aquara, just because we've never mentioned him. And week after week, you see him showing up for the Lions. So I went and checked on like PFF. I was like, how's this guy doing this year? He's in the top five or six pressures for any edge defender in the league. Romeo Aquara has been on fire. How about Matt Patricia developing some defensive talent? Give well, there's Patricia. his first. So, yeah, it's overdue. <laughs> um, but yes, also keep in mind that the last time we saw the Panthers, they gave up 550 yards of offense. So if Kevin, if Kenny Galladay's playing and Matthew Stafford's playing, 
and DeAndre Swift continues to develop and Marvin Jones is in the mix, they might be able to uh, be the latest team to score a lot uh, against Carolina. Um, all right, here we go. Back to me. Uh, pretty easy. Patriots at Texans. Uh, this is an interesting game to me. The Texans hold no interest to me at this stage. Uh, but Deshaun Watson's still on the team, and that's cool. You get to watch Deshaun Watson on a secondary screen on a Sunday. Life could be worse. The more interesting storyline uh, here is the Patriots, who have gotten off the mat with back-to-back primetime wins. Uh, one against the Jets wasn't high, overly impressive. Uh, barely beating the worst team in football. But then uh, you go and you bring uh, take down the Ravens at Foxborough on, on Sunday night. That was more impressive. So they have a chance here. They're still, they're still in a tough spot because the, the division's probably going to get away from them and be gone because the Bills, even with their loss, are still comfortably ahead. And you look at the wild card uh, set up in the AFC, it is – just filled with six and three teams. It's crazy how many six and three teams. There are 11 teams right now with three losses in the NFL. That's wild. Yeah, that that is very strange. Uh, so all the Patriots can do is do the old cliche and just play the team on their schedule and try to start stacking up wins. They got two in a row, and now you got Houston, which has been one of the worst teams in the league, even with Deshaun Watson this year. So I like the Patriots' chances. I said this. I hit this point. Uh, on Sunday night, so I'm not going to belabor it, but I think the idea that the Patriots are like this totally hopeless team that has no chance to win and they're plucky underdogs and all this stuff, there's still a lot there uh, to build on. And I'll throw one guy out there, and I know they don't love – it's the way they use him is interesting, Damian Harris, because it seems like they have him do all the dirty work and then don't give him any glory, uh, any shine when it's time to get in the end zone. Uh, but Damian Harris is just like – Super impressive to me as a yeah. running back. So if you have Harris and then Cam, obviously with his abilities, uh, you can make up for the fact that you're not going to be getting big chunk plays most weeks. And I didn't even bring up Jacoby Myers, a guy that's starting to evolve a little bit. So the Patriots are all right. I don't think they're a playoff team, but I still could see them getting to nine and seven. And maybe that does get them in the back door. Well, they're playing that weird berserker role in a sense, because I mean, you, you play them, you lose, and then like in Baltimore, it's a week of um, hideous uh, headlines and narratives and everyone's upset and what's wrong with the Ravens. The Patriots, I thought, had one of their best performances by their offensive line. Now, they've had issues there this season a little bit, but they blew Baltimore off the ball. They ran the ball really well, and so I like the idea of being able to go do that against the Texans. The Texans, as we mentioned before, I mean, sold out to stop Cleveland's run and couldn't do it. So if you're New England, you're sort of a similar type of team. You're, you're, you're challenged through the air. Why not just go, you know, use your strength and try to blister Houston? Into they some- will. Yeah. I think they've won every game where they haven't turned the ball over, the Patriots. And basically those are the games where Cam didn't have to throw too much. And it's such a mismatch. Uh, you, you would think you would think that they do it like the the Texans. If you look at the way they spend their money, they're a disaster because they have so much money on defense, and a lot of those guys are supposed to be like good at stopping the run. Zach Cunningham and JJ Watt and and Merciless and all these guys, and they are the worst run defense in the league by far. It's a total disaster. They're also last in forcing turnovers, uh, so that's a problem. And then they got to try to um, you know guard the second coming of. 
of you know Jerry Rice and Jacoby Myers. I don't know if you guys saw this PFF tweet said the top three PFF scores of the season at wide receiver. Number one, Devontae Adams. Okay, I'll give it to him. Number two, what a rookie season for Justin Jefferson. And number three, Jacoby Myers. Watch out, DeAndre Hopkins, Julio Jones. All you guys are in a Stephon Diggs, whatever. Like you guys are in the mix, but you're no Jacoby Myers. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't wait until March when we're trying to think of things to talk about. And <laughs> Greg gets into his talking point of how the 2029 and seven Patriots were his favorite Patriots team ever. It's, it's yeah. coming. Just get ready. Uh, because you could feel the buzz. I wish Ricky would, would embrace them. She's been very anti cam. And so now I'd I mean, like Cam says one just, stupid thing just to give her a chance. Even, it's not even about thing. that. It's not even about that. It's the fumble on the final drive. It's the, you know, not getting it's where it's third and 14 and they throw well, it. His fault. The head. Yes, it is. It's just he's just not doing what well, I he's want. Not, here's the thing. He's not. We know where Cam is pretty much now. Exactly. Right? He's not. He's never going to be 2015 MVP Cam again, but he's still. But good, he looked like that against the Seahawks. He, listen, he looks like Cam Newton still. And sometimes that guy comes out and it's like, oh, man, he's still Cam. Uh, but he's more limited at this point. But he's still good enough to win. That's another. Yeah, you like, know what he is? He's a, he's a GD miracle uh, for $1 million a season. If they were playing Jared Stidham, they might be 0-16. Yeah, well, uh, I, don't, I don't think Erica was well, ready that for been the maybe Patriots. A good thing for the Patriots but, I, don't, yeah. I don't think Erica was ready for the Patriots kind of suck now. Uh, yeah. Routine. She she's you know yeah. she's not Greg's age, and I have all these like Patriots fans. Like I really miss the team from like 1992. It's like no, you don't. You won't. You won't <laughs> miss them soon. You won't miss saying- them soon. Erica's just like not ready for the team to be like the the tenth best team in the AFC. Listen, you guys, you're not special anymore, Erica. That's what it comes down to. Rally the like troops, that. Erica. Come on. Well, listen, okay, like I said on the network show, it's got the third in the AFC East Pats versus the third in the AFC South Texans. Okay, you guys, this this is a a matchup. You have to come back to it. This is a matchup for the ages. Like, I can't think of something more exciting. Okay. Yeah. You know, JC Jackson intercept my heart, baby. Like, that's amazing. I'm so excited for this game, and the Patriots are going to win it, and I'm locking it up. There you are. Oh, look at that. There you go. You know, so, might as well. You're on it. You're on just like the Patriots. You're on a little winning streak yourself. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, you know, you guys are both. Oh, what are you gonna do? Find little Brandon and like the Patriots, the you're, you're occasionally caught cheating. You know, it's, it's a lot of similarities. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, moving doing on. Doing it on air, you can't even argue with me. No, you're you're good. You're good. Uh, moving on, it's snakes to the old Zeuser. I will grab the Jets at Chargers. Um, it's basically a shook game. I think we're picking for. Yeah, shook at this point. I, you know, the the level of frustration for this Jet season because we just talked about it when they almost before they go into their bye they they almost beat the Pats and and you see with their full complement of wide receivers that it's really not terrible their skill players at wide receiver and you could put points up against an average defense like the Patriots. So you're thinking to yourself, oh, seven games now. They have seven games left in the season. They're 0-9, and they're trying to do two things. They're either trying to get Trevor Lawrence with the number one overall pick, or they're trying to see signs of life from Sam Darnold 
which would maybe, if he did show signs of life and thrive, would take them out of the number one overall pick. But then you set up a situation where you get behind Darnold and then Joe Douglas uses all these assets to build around Darnold the right way, which has never happened. The only fly in the ointment, of course, because there's always a fly in the ointment with the 2020 Jets. I'm pissed off, Angelo, is that Sam Darnold's shoulder isn't right. It's still banged up. They they ruled him out on Monday, which I found ominous, uh, which tells me that it's not even close to being ready to play. So the idea that Sam Darnold might have already thrown his final pass with the Jets, I think that's mm. now in play because wow. you're talking about a right shoulder and you're talking about injury, uh, something he's injured twice. And he needs to look out for his own self at this point as we look ahead to a career reboot, most likely somewhere else, as much as the Jets need to make sure – they don't ruin this kid's future by putting him back out on the field, which I wouldn't put past this organization with this current regime or at least the coaching staff. So more frustration because you don't get that last look at Darnold the way you thought you were going to get. Um, and I don't really have anything else to say on the Jets <laughs> other than I'm pissed off, Angelo, because that was what I was looking forward to. Yeah, Darnold with Angelo. Mims, uh, with Crowder, with Perryman, with Becton on the field. Don't even get that. Jets fans don't get nice things. The Chargers. I don't like this haircut. I don't like Justin Herbert's haircut. And I'm not making fun of the kid for having a bad haircut. I've gotten a bad haircut. I got a bad haircut right before my senior prom. I think it's why my senior prom wasn't successful. Um, So I'm not making fun of him for that. But I do feel there's some mojo that you could, because they they were glorious locks. It was long and it was a little bit greasy, but it also represented, uh, you know, he's this like kid that's confident and he's not like everybody else. Now he kind of looks like every uh, 22-year-old that I ever knew uh, when I was growing up. So uh, (laughs) is that going to take his uh, play down a notch? I don't know. I I know it sounds ridiculous. Uh, Mina Kimes agreed with me. I feel like that's a stamp of approval. It happened to Samson like in the old – Samson. Way back in the old days, they cut his hair off. He lost his strength. But, um, you know – Ultimately, the Jets want to be what the Chargers are. Forget all the last-minute losses, but a year from now, whether it's Darnold or whether it's Trevor Lawrence, to have a quarterback that you totally believe in. I, I, I don't know if it's unfair, but I'd be a little bit concerned about Darnold's durability in general. It seems like it's always one thing or another, and it's you know he's been in a bad situation, but you want to be one of these teams that have five, one of those five or six quarterbacks that do like 160 starts in a row. And Durability is a skill, and he it, doesn't have it. He doesn't doesn't appear to be. I, I hate like stamping him with that, but I mean it's hard to get a read on a guy that's like continually out of the lineup. Well, it's a shoulder injury too, which is you know a worrisome one for any any quarterback. Adam Gase did say he expects Sam Darnold to play at some point this season. I don't I don't know though. I think this is their best chance to win. You know, for a while, it's the last team they play with a losing record until the pa- that currently has a losing record until the Patriots. I'm a little anxious if I was a Chargers fan about the Chargers as some two score favorite uh, out there. Flacco, Flacco looked pretty good last week. Not the Chifluco, yeah. I mean, and he's got some weapons. Joey Bosa is back at practice. He says he can't remember when he got a concussion, and he's now been out for three weeks with a concussion, which is a problem. Um, man, and Chris Harris is back at practice. So those two guys would would help a great deal. But that haircut, it's it's not so much the haircut itself as much as the decision-making process. I don't know if you guys remember John Lott, the crazy locker, like, weight room guy who, for mm-hmm, a while, the NFL Combine made into a mini celebrity because he would scream and yell and be goofy. He's the guy who cut Justin Herbert's haircut. He just had his strength and conditioning coach cut his hair. 
And it's like, that's bad decision-making. You want something, you want something more out of your quarterback. <laughs> Better stylus, please. Um, all right. Just don't trust John Lott. I mean, come on. Is that it for games? <laughs> no, we have one more. Mark, close it out. What a game it is. It's the Cincinnati Bengals at the Washington football team. I don't know. I kind of want to see a little more from Zach Taylor. It's like this is a team that has their quarterback, and I, I get—I know they're not a perfect roster, but they play three NFC East teams over the next four weeks. I don't think you have a lot of excuses to come out of this season with, you know, two or three wins again. I mean, show me a little more down the stretch, uh, Cincinnati. And it's a good opportunity. Like Washington right now. Try that. Was that um, some dogs in Erica's neighborhood or something? Know. I like that. <laughs> Let's leave that in. That's Where's our Bengals den drop, Greg. Oh, my You're bad. so annoying. And That's for that, bad. you get... Right Ooh. to the jugular. Ooh. Got him. Go ahead, Mark. Day off for Greg. Uh, I, don't, you know, I don't necessarily know that we need to be downing the Bengal tiger into nothing, but uh, it helps. Washington, Gary and Christian is on IR. They... Their left tackle, Cornelius Lucas, was, you know, he's week to week. They're really banged up on their line. That said, um, I don't really know where pressure comes from for the Bengals unless you're Carl mm. Lawson. So this game, um, I have apologies to Nick Shook because, uh, you know, could be worse. Probably, it, it could be worse. It could also be a lot better. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I feel highly about Nick Shook, so I feel like this is going to waste some of his time. But um, I feel the same way about Washington. Like, you know, the whole thing where, like, we're chasing this division title. Just let's work on building the roster, please. I, I, don't, I, I, I don't understand, like, exactly what's going on with Ron Rivera. As, as in ter- Some of these coaches that I fall for, I like Ron Rivera a ton, but he's sort of the opposite. I feel like there's a lot of old school thinking. Um, and, you know, even I do like this one little thing that happened last week, which was Akib Tlaib announced the Washington-Detroit game and kept calling Scott Turner, the son of Norv Turner, Young Turner. He never even called him by his first name, just called him Young Turner all day long. And it was, I, was like, I was like kind of tr- tracking the game vaguely, and I was like, who is he talking about? Then when I figured that out, I'm like, I love Turner. to keep to leave. That's like his rap Young name. Turner. That's right. his rap name. Uh, Scott Turner's done an okay job. I, I uh, don't think this game's so bad just because Joe Burrow's involved. And uh, he's fun. And their offense can be fun when they're not playing the Ravens or Steelers. And I, I guess I'm buying more into the Alex Smith thing than, than everyone else. I've been impressed with how he's played the last two weeks. He, he, to me, has looked like the best Washington quarterback, which it's just been this weird turn that the second Alex Smith plays, everyone, like, stops being impressed by his comeback and is, like, more dismissive of, like, this guy's a bum. And I actually am thinking, like, I don't know, he kind of looks like Alex Smith always looks, which to me is somewhat impressive in a tough situation. Like, they moved the ball really well the whole game against Detroit. Some things went against them. He's not – I'm not saying he's a top 15 quarterback by any means, but I'd like to see him get get a win, and, and this is certainly uh, an opportunity to get one. Yeah, I think that I'm with you. Like, he's gotten back on the field. That was a minor miracle maybe not even so minor. Uh, he's now played well in a game. That was cool. Now get the dub. Complete yep. the uh, the comeback story. Uh, who knows? It would be maybe cynical the- if he were hopscotched for comeback player of the year. No, I don't think else, he's going to have it. I saw somebody on Twitter. I'm trying to think. I don't even, I don't remember who tweeted it, but uh, threw out a different player for comeback player of the year. That was big Ben. A- I've seen some big Ben love. 
which seems silly. But, but you're right, Dan. I have too. There are some. I think people are already Big tired bet. of the Alex Smith narrative a little, and it's like. Let's not lose focus here. Like, he's the comeback player. All right, just hear me out. I mean, obviously, you're going to give it to Alex Smith, and he he deserves it. But I don't think it's absurd if Big Ben throws 38 touchdowns and four interceptions and the Steelers go 15-1. and I mean... Well, it gets it's, it's yeah, he missed the entire year with a he shredded his elbow yeah. last season. I mean, three ligaments torn, and he's thirty eight years old. That's that's pretty awesome. Come, I know, but in March we're making fun of him for like looking like a four hundred pound mountain man. So it's <laughs> like part of the, the narrative. I know, but the narrative the would point, be shifting. Right, it gets to the point which Wes has always said, and me too. Sometimes is like, what is comeback player of the year? It's amorphous. It's like one year Philip Rivers won it after being like the twenty second best quarterback oh, to being like that tenth, and it's like to me it's more about the off field what you have overcome and so that's that's uh alex but that reminds me actually a little bit of of the, i wish you know i always wish wes is on the show but i'm remembering one of the times he was on the show on a sunday night and he thought it was really important and this is what gave me a little hint that he is kind of buying back into the Bengals. he thought it was really important that joe burrow stood up after his total disaster against Baltimore and the next week it came back out and looked terrific and like you believed in Joe Burrow again and so he's kind of in a similar spot here too because Joe Burrow played terribly last week they all did I'm not saying you know you're gonna have rookie moments but you you don't want to totally give him a pass he he looked like a rookie and so you'd love to see him respond and have a nice game I'd say on a micro level he's done that inside of games too yeah no you are you are right that like Watching Burrow is no different than watching some of these other young quarterbacks that stir the imagination. So there's your upside. All right. Good stuff. Loved it. I have some breaking news for you. I have some breaking news, Dan. Oh, sure. Snow breaking. We might just retape part of the show, but let's see what you think first. Teddy Bridgewater is not expected to play this week, according oh. to our guy, Ian Rappaport. That would put in uh, P.J. Walker, XFL star P.J. Walker, in line to start again. That's tough. So he goes down with the knee injury late in the game on um, Sunday against the Bucks. Should have been you, flagged that hit, but that's beside Should it. have been flagged. You're right. Uh, it's the opposite knee of the one that he destroyed in practice with the Vikings a few years back. Testing revealed no structural damage, but I guess there must be a little bit more to it uh, than that, which is just disappointing. Uh, it puts the Panthers, obviously, in a very tough spot. Yeah, one of those knee sprains that they have a bye week coming up, not next week, but the week after. You know, I think they're just trying to be careful. Um, but either way, P.J. Walker was a fun quarterback in the XFL, but the the limited sample set, very limited, we've seen in the NFL or preseason hasn't been – Overly promising. So we'll PJ see. Walker would have walked to the uh, XFL MVP if that yeah. season wasn't. You never know. The good test for Matt Rule. Go win a game with PJ Walker, and people will be impressed. But that—that's the news there. All right, good stuff. So, well, not good stuff. Uh, hopefully, Teddy gets back. Um, well, that's. Well, I guess he couldn't be a comeback player of the year. He's been back a couple of years now, so he's not in the mix. But I think everybody roots for Teddy Bridgewater, uh, and you hope this is a short-term situation for him. Um, all right. We'll be back. Well, we'll be back in a couple of ways. We'll be back on television on Saturday, Saturday morning on NFL Network. Set your DVRs. Uh, for a little early football talk. It's a version of this very podcast, uh, but it also has uh, some new elements, including a speed round. We do some uh, a little bit of a deep dive on 
the locks of the week. So it, it's fun. And you get to see these beautiful mugs uh, on your big TV. And what, what a what a joy that must be for you. So check that out. And then, of course, on Sunday, uh, the flagship show where we recap every game we just uh, previewed for you today. You had something to add, Mark? No, I'm doing administrative work on the side. Oh, I'm not listening okay. to a thing. Come on, saying. Mark. Come on. <laughs> I, I think it'd be great. Please, work. please watch us, you know, um, read our articles, uh, you know, fashion your week around us. That's our, you, that's our theme for the week is self-promotion. Yes. No free, well, Mark, here's the, well, here's the thing, Mark. You were getting a little upset with some of the promotion from Greg and I earlier. Uh, this is a, a I mean, not seriously, moment. but for you to promote uh, the network show on Saturday. So get some, get the people excited. What else could they learn from watching the network show? I'd say this, you know, it's been a busy week. Probably if you're a parent, um, if you're on the, on the West coast, I, you know, you set your alarm for four fifty-five AM, you get up, the show starts at five in the morning. Uh, I can't think of a better way to start a Saturday four hours earlier than you'd want to up and Adam. That's a nice sell. Ricky. Yeah, so I've got a few things. Um, the weakest link, obviously, <laughs> is Monday. Make sure you take it. Uh, make sure you watch it or DVR it or whatever. And also, I have another storybook coming out on NFL Up either tonight or tomorrow. And it is about Cincinnati versus Washington. And, you know, Joe Burrow and Chase Young, first and second overall pick. And they both were teammates at Ohio State. So it's got some cool little fun facts in there that you should check out. You're really I'm going st- for that Cincinnati um, big audience timeshare there, right? Huge yes. ratings, Cincinnati. Yes, Joe Burrow, uh, you know, made his bones at LSU, but apparently played at another college before. He was like redshirted. It didn't really matter. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good stuff. All right. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you for watching. We love you. Oh, and one more thing uh, coming up uh, this week, uh, uh, Game Pass. Everybody overseas. Uh, outside the U.S. and Canada, our Game Pass um, special is going to be landing uh, on your devices. So make sure you check that out. All right, that's it. All the plugs are out. Dan Hans is signing off for Quiet Storm. The old boss, Ricky Hollywood, behind the virtual glass. Until Sunday night. go into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the irish spring your day immediately gets better that crisp fresh unmistakable irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses so when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it irish spring body wash and bar soap fresh green irish shop now at a store near you